Hello, heroes. I'm Evan Rowland. And I'm Hannah Schaefer. Welcome to Design Doc. Was the night of the playtest, and all through the house could be heard a commotion, a panic, and grouse. But the snacks and the printouts were laid out with care. Any minute, the playtesters soon would be there. Upstairs, we designers hid under our beds, while visions of dice rolls danced through our heads. Why didn't we prep more in our two-week gap? We said to each other, we'd sure love a nap. Then at the front door could be heard a great clatter, so we sprang from our beds, roused by the chatter. We drew back the curtains, and just like a flash, we saw the playtesters, our faces turned ash. Outside fell a steady new dusting of snow. We should let them in. It's rude not to. We know. Then a flicker of hope in our hearts did appear, and we went to the door and we swallowed our fear. We welcomed our friends, our fright like a brick. Last minute panic is just part of our shtick. So for the past two weeks, we have not had any new playtests, though playtests were scheduled. Yep. (laughs) Turns out we have been very busy with... Uh, uh, We launched a Kickstarter. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> we did a different Kickstarter. <laughs> so this is not Questlandia 2. Surprise! <laughs> We're just going to hit you with like the skipping over all the playtesting phase. Now the game is out. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is a Kickstarter for Good Dog, Bad Zombie, which is the first board game we've bought, brought to Kickstarter. It's a game about being a pack of dogs in a post-zombie apocalyptic city. Post mid mid apocalypse. I think well, yeah. I think mid, the zombies are. Pro- it's not really post zombie. Yeah, it is during post apocalyptic zombie infested city. So you play as packs of dogs trying to herd your humans back to the safety of Central Bark, and uh, you explore across the map, uncovering humans and good smells and weird smells and scary smells and chomping <laughs> zombies and chasing zombies off of cliffs and into rivers. Um, did I say it's cooperative? It's yeah, cooperative. it's extremely cooperative. Um, and it's a great game. So if you are already listening to the podcast, I presume that you are a fan of games, maybe more leaning towards role-playing games, but there's a there's a pretty big Venn diagram in the middle there, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, it's a good segment. Um, so feel free to check it out. That is Good Dog, Bad Zombie. But with that said, we just totally blew past all of our deadline hopes for these past two weeks of Questlandia 2 playtests. So we're doing an episode about deadlines. <laughs> and flowing past <laughs> and them. How, yeah, and the sound they make when they go by. Both of us are people who consider ourselves um, last minute achievers. I had uh, my mom had that bumper sticker on her car, from, you know, <laughs> mother of a last minute achiever. But we do get things done one way or another. And this episode's going to be about if not changing who we are, learning to work with it, and what strategies have worked to actually succeed in getting things done 
and keeping ourselves reasonably sane uh, with still some doing a lot of last minute crunching. So we'll be talking about creating sort of a stable, reliable working style out of our unstable and perhaps chaotic predilections. Predilections? Lections? Predil... Predil... Feral. (laughs) I think everything that I'm thinking is in terms of sort of dog language now. So we'll say predilections and just sort of fold it into the marketing Mm -hmm. of Good Dog, Bad Zombie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're going to start by taking a bit of a haunting walk down memory lane, going back to high school and maybe even middle school, and trying to trace back to the origins of our chaotic uh, what did we say? Let last minute achievers or last minute achiever working style. The mentality, the paradigm, the procrastinator working style. Mm-hmm. So Evan, when you like trace back and you look back at your life as a young Evan, um, <laughs> can you like? Do you have thoughts about where this sort of working style came from? I mean, my earliest memories of it are obviously in school. I think all the way back to elementary school, I was a completely last minute, last ditch kind of achiever. The kind of person who was like, you know, it's not even the night before it was due. It would be the morning before going to school or after going to school in the beginning of class before they collected the homework. I'd be scribbling out the homework like it was a it was a little desperate. That's a, that's rough too because everybody knows. Yeah, I didn't everybody care. Everybody knows what you're doing. I was yeah. okay. No, I was okay with like... people knowing that I was just like scribbling out answers. So like as the teachers walking down the aisle, everybody's like, "Evan, did you ever get that?" Or were you did you sort of fly under the radar? I flew under the radar, I think, or I was just oblivious to people doing that kind of thing. <laughs> it's very possible they were they were giving me a, a real treatment that I just didn't notice. <laughs> because you were too busy trying to finish your work. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Why do you think you worked like that? I think I was greedy. I think I was and still am greedy about free time, about just if I have a moment to do my own thing, just wanting to do my own thing and F the work. <laughs> and... Yeah, I was a greedy boy. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I was the same in school. I specifically remember, it wasn't always, I don't, it wasn't as far back as elementary school, but I specifically remember in middle school, like having some assignment about, I don't know, elephants. I don't remember. That's what they, most of them were about elephants. I'm trying to like envision, uh, I'm I'm trying to get a visual on what the finished project looked like because I did finish it eventually. And I remember that I was like 12, whenever you were 12, what I, I don't remember what grade, whether sixth grade or something or seventh grade. And I was starting to get ready for my bat mitzvah. Um, And I had these like classes that I had to go to for bat mitzvah prep. Um, (laughs) And I didn't want to go. And up until then, I hadn't hated school, but I hated the those, like, prep classes. And they, like, didn't connect to anything else in my life. Like, mm-hmm. they just felt like sunk time. 
They weren't socially relevant. They weren't connected to my school. They weren't connected to my friends. And I remember it's like just game like game design. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I remember just like having to do this assignment about elephants, and like I couldn't summon the motivation. It felt like I didn't have the time, but I think it was more about like the motivation to be sort of like putting time into these elephants when also I was already doing all of these other things that I didn't care about. I remember like having my mom had to write a letter. She wrote a letter? She wrote a letter that was like, Hannah can't, you know, Hannah didn't manage to get the assignment done. <laughs> She's having some troubles figuring out, you know, how to schedule time around her bat mitzvah and I think like that was like a real out for me because like you know as the only Jewish person in the school too like like they wouldn't have challenged that because of you know sent their sensitivity training mm-hmm. um so at this point when you see an elephant does it just like send you back <laughs> immediately I can't even remember if it was about elephants but like <laughs> it's the I mean the significance is really only that it's like the this time that I can trace back to like the, the very beginning of this pattern of like, for me, it wasn't so much about feeling like greedy about my time. It was like about feeling overwhelmed by stacking commitments. I didn't particularly like the other commitment that I had been like assigned. And like this sort of convergence of the two led to just like this like emotional overwhelm. So I remember like, In that instance, I think being kind of, like, called out by the teacher at first, like, in this, like, oh, everybody else could do it, Hannah. Everybody Uh else has life commitments. You're not special. Um, (laughs) And and that was, like, a... What a message. Well, that was, like, a theme throughout, like, the next, you know, 10 years or however more I, like, stayed in, you know, through school. It's forever. It feels like it's forever. I remember, Mm -hmm. like, the day I graduated from high school, I was like, that was for fucking ever. That was my entire life. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, But it it just, like, turned into this, like, cycle of guilt where I, like, internalized this idea that, like, God, I sucked so hard for thinking that somehow I was special. Like... the rolling sense of guilt like carried something with me too. Was, yeah, it was like something was wrong with me because everybody else seemed to be able to get the work done without a problem. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was fucking special. I'm saying a lot of the the F in this episode. The, yeah, I know. We're going to have to mark it with an E for explicit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird. It's like talking about it still brings up like a lot of emotions. Yep. Yeah, it's still... It's a, a part of myself that I've carried my whole life, and it's still there. It's just, it's just 100% there, and it's just about, you know, maybe I have a new way of, of dealing with that feeling, but there's still this lingering sense that, like, if I'm doing something that isn't work, it's because I'm putting off the work. There's really no such thing as, you know, truly free time. It's all stolen. Mm. Do you feel like you had the guilt component, too? Did you feel guilty? Or I did- felt constantly guilty. For me, the message I was getting was um, wasted potential. Like, you know, Evan, you could be doing so well. Mm. You could be doing so, so well. But here you are, <laughs> writing your homework, <laughs> scrawling it out as the teacher's collecting it. Like, what happened? Show me what those elephants, Evan. I heard a lot about my, my great uncle, who was oh, so God. promising. Oh, God. So promising. But, you know, he went to college and he couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle it. He dropped out of college. 
And then I, I don't even remember where the story goes against it. Like, you were like, college even wasn't invented then. <laughs> uh, your great you know, uncle? His life, his, yeah, that was his the life, best they could do? Was your his great life uncle. ended in disaster. So at some point during this episode, we are going to talk about positive things, and we are going to talk about sort of like breaking this cycle. No, thank God. Because um, we're both getting really sweaty and stressed. <laughs> <laughs> we had to pause and take a water break. Yep. Um, but it's... It became for me into my adult life this loop where like something about this failure story I think started to sort of serve me. You know, like the feeling of being a failure led to depression and other things in life read, led to like, you know, depression and anxiety. And the idea that I could sort of reinforce like it, it became this feedback cycle that ended up kind of working for me and this story that I had about myself like... I felt like a failure and I consistently to myself was acting like a failure and was sort of fulfilling this idea. Like I was, I was fulfilling the idea that I couldn't do it and then I didn't do it. And mm-hmm. therefore the idea was fulfilled and I could continue feeling terrible. And like this narrative just sort of like carried me into my mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Very much the same. We've talked about our squandered, uh, youths. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and early adulthoods. Um, so what changed? So at some point after college, Hannah and I decided we didn't have enough friends. Maybe we had no friends. And so we decided to start a community center to find friends and make a space for that to happen. Because we couldn't just, like, go and use meetups or something. No. We were like, we need to do something complicated. And, and financially scary. <laughs> Financially devastating. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to find friends. Let's, just, <laughs> let's start a risky and unprofitable business venture. And it worked. Um, it was absolutely uh, unprofitable and did find us friends. <laughs> It's the reason that we are where we are. Uh, It's the reason that we make games. The opening day when we, you know, announced that we're making this place, like half the people who showed up were game designers. (laughs) Yeah, we're, I mean, we're based out of Western Massachusetts, where a lot of these, you know, independent role-playing game designers are. And a lot of them came to the opening day. We were like, oh, we've sort of tinkered in game design. And they became our buds. Yeah. So that is to say... It has yielded a lot of great things, which can maybe be the topic of another episode. We were suddenly forced to kind of get it together. Uh, And I think even in the, I mean, in the operation of the business, we did not do well for a number of years. Ever. Yeah. We did, but we did closer and closer to well. We got better. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But it was, you know, it was suddenly, it was like emails had to be answered on time. The rent on this space had to be paid. We had to organize youth programs and skill shares. We had to follow up with volunteers so they felt like their work was validated. We had to drive through snowstorms to open the space oh, for yeah. volunteers. <laughs> drive through a snowstorm where we could see like cars piled up 10 cars high in front of us mm-hmm. to open and close the space for an acapella group rehearsal <laughs> that was paying us like 10 bucks an hour to rent the community room. <laughs> this was good motivation to learn how to deal with life. <laughs> So that was that was sort of like this kick. For me, that alone hadn't done it. 
I remember still consistently like missing messages and kind of failing people in in that endeavor. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the like specifically the moment that did it was a friend of ours who was part of the space and was a big help. Um, who I have I have always seen as like one of the most organized people that I know. He and his partner did a like time. I think it was just a time management Skillshare mm-hmm. at. Uh, this community space. Do you, do you remember anything from that Skillshare? Because it was like very profound for me. I was sitting there so, just in rapture. So he described basically the exact struggles that we've been describing. The idea that he had a self-image of somebody who just never got stuff done, who was always trailing behind, always waiting for the last minute, missing things, letting people down, which blew both of our minds because we we're like you no Come, i don't believe you're it. the person who's like making everything work smoothly but yeah he said it's not the way it has always been for him and that change came from using tools well just using a calendar using time management software sticking with it and his self-image has very gradually caught up with where the tools and lifestyle that he's that he has now has brought him. And I think that was the first time where I started to believe that maybe I had been tricked into thinking that being an organized or together or on-time person was some sort of like magical uh inherent quality like artistic talent for instance oh like that that you could be a time virtuoso mhm uh which is what i had now like i had just really internalized the idea that like some people had it and some people didn't and i was one of the ones that didn't and therefore there was no point in trying and hearing this from our friend who i believed to be one of the most organized people i knew i was like Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those like books that you see marked down on like the Barnes and Noble bargain shelf that's like everything you were told about Bippity Boop was wrong. Five hot secrets from businessman. <laughs> that's what it was. This these were the five hot Except secrets. That was like the that was like earnest, you know, and true. No. Five <laughs> earnest hot hot <laughs> secrets. <laughs> So I don't remember exactly what he said, though. <laughs> <laughs> I think our minds were so blown. I know. Uh, it was a lot about using a calendar, some of the tools for time management, and also, like, how to actually use those tools. Right. And like check how to them integrate it into your life. And, you know, make them a regular part of your routine, which is something we're going to be talking about in in a minute. So we're going we're gonna to do that thing that they would do at the beginning of that book that's like, here's the tips. And then there's, like, actually you know, one tip, but then it's like, you know, the book has been fluffed out into 300 pages. We're That's gonna, what we're going to yeah, do. Here comes the episode. fluff. So, <laughs> but we will talk about some of these things in, in non-abstract terms. So it was roughly around the time of that transformational Skillshare that we started working on our first RPG. So how does all this impact the framework of designing Questlandia 2? I mean, I can't remember exactly when we started to talk about redesigning Questlandia. You know, I think it's been 
something we've kind of just folded into feedback. You know, you get feedback and you kind of fold it away and you fold it away. And at some point we were like, oh, people like this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has a lot of flaws. They want to play it over the course of a campaign. I think probably it started with like, oh, we should make it a campaign game. And then we're like, well, if we're going to do it a campaign, then like, let's fix it. And if we're going to fix it, let's just change everything and redo the game and make it a thing. And if we're going to do that, why not do a podcast about it? <laughs> oh, why not open up a community center? Yes. The Questlandia 2 Community These Center. These are both ideas that I initially was like, no, I feel like there's got to be a simpler way. <laughs> there's got to be a way to make friends without a community center or make a game without doing a podcast. But the podcast has been a tool that we've incorporated into our lives for staying like accountable to time management. It's actually been a huge help for having consistent, regular progress on this game. So, I mean, we have the accountability to the network, which is we will get an episode out roughly <laughs> every other Friday. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember them saying roughly, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think I just wrote that in, actually, tried to sneak that through. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll get an episode out every other Friday. It's accountability to the friends of ours who are playtesting the game and mm-hmm. giving their time. It's accountability to you guys listening mm-hmm. and being excited about what we're doing and caring. And it's an accountability to each other to continue to work together on it and remind each other that oh, we got to do a podcast <laughs> <laughs> and to keep driving each other forward in the process. Uh, and it's, it's not that I think we wouldn't have done any work on Questlandia 2 had it not been for the podcast. It's, uh, I think the work, theory. I think the work would have happened differently and it wouldn't have happened in this kind of paced out way that I imagine when in my head, when I've had a vision of like, how do normal people work? What does it look like to be a normal person who has who can pace yourself and meet deadlines that aren't all sort of pushed back to the last possible minute? Like, this is kind of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every week, plugging away at it, making a little bit of progress and in an organized fashion, going through the work weird and when we're not able to stay accountable to that work and to our schedule uh then we get to do filler episodes like this one (laughs) (laughs) the meta filler episodes (laughs) so up to this point i think the only tool we've said we've we've used for like staying deadline motivated is a podcast (laughs) which is maybe something that not everybody wants to incorporate into their lives as a time management tool (laughs) so uh what are some of the tools that you use in your own life evan other than podcasts other than podcasts to sort of break through your procrastinator nature i don't even i I don't want to say that i want to like i want to I want to disrupt this idea that there is such thing as a procrastinator nature. Right. It's my choice. It's my horrible, (laughs) horrible choice. I want to disrupt that idea, too. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some of the tools you use? So for starters, the 
Google Calendar has been an enormously impactful piece of technology. Way out of proportion from how simple the concept is. (laughs) But just the loop of, you know, remembering two things. Put it on the calendar and check your calendar. Doing those two things on loop. I feel like I started doing that loop and it's like, now I'm looking around me and there's like four completed Kickstarters and another one on the way and like a whole life that got built just from doing that loop over and over and over. Just put it on the calendar, check that calendar. It's a lot more than, you know, the little grid of boxes would suggest. A lot of impact. It's like fire. It's a transformational technology. And it enables a different kind of life. And beyond that, then there's, you know to-do list. I'm using a to-do list app called Todoist that is really nice and simple to use. And that's a huge help for not just having a running list of things to be startled by over the day. I'm just being like, oh, I have a thing I should be <laughs> do. Oh, the work with, oh no. Uh, it's helped to break out of that. It's just, it's just in the list. I can look at that list and be concerned. And then not concerned elsewhere, ideally. How about you? I mean, you know, keeping and checking a Google Calendar. Uh, Recently, we integrated this browser-based app called Teamwork into the Make Big Things workflow. uh, And that's kind of replaced Todoist for me. Um, Teamwork is expensive, which I don't like about it. It's a lot more expensive than we realized going into starting to use it. So that's a stink. Um, but, uh, but part of paying for it, at least for our business, is also that it's going to get an, get us into this reinforcement loop of using it. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, paying for a gym membership or something. And teamwork, I've also tried to kind of incorporate my personal work and life to-do lists into just because I want to kind of condense down the tools that I'm using and not have a million different to-do list apps, which can also be sort of a time management sink. You know, that's another thing. You want to get this part settled. You get into the procrastination loop of researching time management tools. (laughs) (laughs) And we've both um, dabbled with Habitica at this point, the role-playing game, gamified version of a to-do list. Yeah, I really like Habitica, and I feel like where teamwork kind of hits all these little to-do list points for me, Habitica, so with Habitica, you can schedule, like, one-time tasks dailies, which are things like make them a bed or take a shower, and then habits, which are things you can give yourself. You can sort of dock XP or give yourself XP for doing things like, what's a what's a good habit? What's a habit you've put on yours? Um, playing too many video games. So I give myself a little HP hit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I have certain like nervous habits that are really bad, like long-standing habits around like you know, like picking at my skin um, in the mirror. And that's, it's one that I've had since I was a teenager. And it's like a nasty, anxious habit. And Habitica has actually really helped break it for me. And also kind of helps me fulfill this general cycle of feeling better about myself as a person and feeling like a person who's like, okay, I can like do a thing that normal people do, like make my bed and wash my dishes and not rip my face apart. But it's a bad habit. And not doing it makes me feel better. So I like Habitica. 
We should have talked to some of these. Maybe we could have gotten like podcast sponsorship from. Oh yeah, <laughs> I know we're really we really missed an opportunity here. We have a whole other episode about missing opportunities to make money, <laughs> which is something that even more so than time management, we are pros. <laughs> so yeah, we could yeah. Slack did not sponsor this episode, which is Slack is another one that's been really good for us. Yeah, that's been especially with a team where. You know, we're in the same place. Brian is in Chicago. Slack has done a huge amount to make us all feel constantly in contact and able to work as a team and hash out even little stuff together. Yeah, so that's been a good one. Because I think sometimes we would feel sad about sort of the the stuttered nature of our communication as a three-person team where one person is halfway across the country. And Slack, I think, helps us all feel like we're kind of in the same space to the degree that we can feel like that. If you're not familiar with it, Slack's basically just a chat room, a set of little chat rooms that you're sharing with a few people. Pretty simple idea, but it's really nice. Like a chat room with different channels for different types of chat. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have our Questlandia 2 channel, we have our... Good Dog, Bad Zombie channel, we have our website channel, all that stuff. Yeah. We have our post GIFs here channel. GIF spam, yeah. GIF spam, yep. Another one for me has been like using task management to outsource my bad memory. So it's not just about like answering an email quickly. It's like setting something in a task management tool for like, on, you know, remind me in three days to see if Evan followed up, you know, followed up about that email about printing banners for packs. Right. And like, I don't have to keep it in my head. And that's been, that's been like really significant. Makes me annoying sometimes because I'm like, hey, it's been three days. Did you get my email about packs? Well, it's like going for a full circle, right? <laughs> and this is, um, it's it's becoming one of the annoying overachievers who's on top of everything. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite there yet, I guess. <laughs> but I think you, I mean, I totally think that you are. You've gotten, you know, you get art commissions and layout commissions because you have a reputation for, like, good communication and not ghosting. And I don't know. It's hard not to be haunted by your past perception of yourself. That is true. So even with these tools, would you say our lives, you know, have they become perfect? (laughs) (laughs) No, I would say that, I mean, I hate to end this on like a down note, but I would say that we still live in chaos. (laughs) Haunted by a constant sense of never getting anything done in exactly the way we hoped we would. So how is it different than before? And how is it the same? I feel like I have the tools now. I feel like I'm actually using the tools. I feel like generally I'm a good, you know, communicator and my turnaround time is pretty good. What I still really need to work on is getting a more realistic sense of how much time I actually have in a week. I yeah. want to say yes to everything. And it's weird because I know, you know, people will will describe this as like setting boundaries. I think that's actually been like a less helpful 
way for me to imagine it because everybody's asking cool things. They're like, do you want to collaborate on this project? Can you take a look at this role-playing game? Do you want to have a Skype chat to talk about this video game I'm doing? And I'm like, yes. Well, why would I set boundaries around all those awesome things? That's not what boundaries means, but but it is. Like, I, mm-hmm. you, there's some point at which all the cool stuff, like, you say yes to it and, and your life just starts to kind of crumble into chaos again. I feel like one effect of becoming more proficient with these tools has been taking on more work as our ability to do work has increased. It's just been easier to say like, okay, well, I can do that too. I'll put it on the calendar. There's space on my calendar. I see it there. So I'll just put it in. And that's led to a lot of things going on at the same time. A pretty stuffed calendar. And one thing that I, you know, never add to the calendar is, like, chill time. That's an important one, too, though. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, because we can, you know, you sort of look at this map of your day, and you're like, oh, I have an hour at 11. Yeah, I can meet with you to talk about that game. That sounds great. And that is your one free hour in your entire day. Yeah. Um, And that... That's one that I really need to work on because sometimes I do kind of wake up with this sense of like life just flying by and that has not made me feel so good either. I've swung to this other extreme of like hyper productivity. Learning how to schedule responsibly time off and like slow paced days is something I'd like to learn. (laughs) Yeah, something I want to keep improving is leaving more generous, like, padding in all parts of my calendar. I mean, first, because, like, you never know what life is going to throw at you. So you want to leave time to, you know, know that you're a person who generally is on time with things, but that, like, life can throw you a curveball. So, like, leave yourself some extra hours if you have to fill them in with work. Um, I'm also, like, a person with chronic pain and get chronic migraines And, you know, sometimes this can knock me out for a day at a time or more where I can't really do anything at capacity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being patient with myself and saying no more to leave time for myself when I need it and I can't control needing that extra time. So we're still working on it. It's going to take time. (laughs) (laughs) We'll schedule it in. We're going to schedule more time towards figuring all this out. But in the meantime, you listening to this podcast uh, are an enormous support to us. You're giving us another vector of accountability and a reason to show up every couple weeks to pound out another batch of progress on the game and to work towards the life where we're releasing something that we care about to people who care about it. So for people out there who, you know, want to make a role-playing game and are looking for advice, we recommend starting either a podcast or a community space. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the only realistic and reasonable way to get that work done. I think that's true. Absolutely. (laughs) Maybe running for public office. 
Oh, yeah, become the mayor. Yeah. Yeah. And then ban all other types of leisure activities. Mm -hmm. So then, you know. Get yourself into a position of power. (laughs) So your thoughts and questions. (laughs) (laughs) Given that we're clearly stalling for content, we would love to hear from you what you would like to hear from us. (laughs) Wow. Um, I think that we asked this in our last episode, and I I don't know if anybody, I don't think anybody gave us suggestions. It's kind of comforting to know that nobody knows what we should be talking about. It's not just us. So, you know, think back through, you know, where where did we leave off? We've been working on the symbol reader. We've been working on uh, the sort of in-world characters. Mm-hmm. There's act, there's different sort of focuses we could choose moving forward for these playtests. So I would love to hear what you would love to hear. <laughs> and we're not going to just keep talking about, like, time management. But sometimes we will. Yeah, it's a pretty big part of the process. <laughs> oh, and if you want to check out the Kickstarter we mentioned, that's going to be on Kickstarter until April 12th. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, April 11th, really. It okay. closes the morning of the 12th. Okay. So no. if you're an early Wait, that's riser. That's true. No, it's a, night, it's a night close. Oh, it is in the night? Yeah, it's a night close. Oh, I've been telling people the wrong thing. That's wrong. Uh, <laughs> some night... Well, let's say, let's say the night of April 11th, because I know it's a night, and it might be the night of April 12th, but then people will, you know, not miss it, just in case we're wrong. Okay. So if it's April 12th, still try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that is Good Dog, Bad Zombie on Kickstarter. It's our not our first game, but it's the first board game we've brought to Kickstarter, and we're really happy to share it with you, and it's a game that we really believe in. It's fun and strategic and embodies all of the elements of dogginess, like licking and hurting and sniffing, and you get to play dogs, and it's just... Um, we're really... really committed to the idea that you're a dog. Yeah. You're, you're going to be a dog. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're really selling it. Uh, so we hope that you'll join us there because that helps support you know this endeavor and our ability to continue making games. So if you want to reach out to us with those thoughts and questions, you can either email us at designdocpod at gmail.com, follow us at designdocpod on Twitter, or talk with us personally on Twitter. I am Han Bandit. And I'm a drawn novel. And we hope to talk with you there. The Design Doc intro and outro theme was created by our friend, musician Pat King. Who we met at the community space, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, another one. Hey, Whoa. And there you go. So thank you, Pat. The Design Doc podcast is hosted by the One Shot Podcast Network, which normally we have a pitch, a specific pitch for a show to listen to. And I think we've pitched them all now. We finished? I think we finished. Maybe. So I think we need to like loop back and start to repeat them. But for now, I'm just going to generally say, because I feel like this episode is all about sort of support. Mm -hmm. um, The One Shot Network puts out a ton of great content. When I imagine people who, you know, because I still don't imagine myself in this like this magical uh, (laughs) cast of people who have it together. I imagine like Kat and James 
and the other folks podcasting for this network as like like they are there they embody that togetherness yeah we're we're in the shadow of giants here come close so visit oneshotpodcast.com to see all of the shows that they're working really hard to bring to you and uh, thereby supporting people like us If you've enjoyed or feel like you've gotten anything out of these conversations about time management, you could hop over to iTunes and leave us a review. That helps other people find out about the podcast and fills us with determination. Determination. We'll see you next time, heroes.